Now, there was a certain man, Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peniah his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Amen. Didn't I tell you he was the man for the job? Now, y'all probably won't hear any of those words again, because now I'm about to take over. And they're going to sound a little different. <laughs> I don't even know who Panina is. I call her Panina, and that's what you're going to hear from here on out. Let's flip over and just pick up one verse in chapter 2, and that's verse 26. I think I can handle this one. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Flip over one more time for me. To chapter 3 verse 19 and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and didn't and did let none of his words fall to the ground amen this morning we're going to talk a little bit about provoked a tale of two women provoked a tale of two women. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for loving us enough to send your word, Lord God, 
For you said that you sent your word to heal us and save us from destruction. We honor you on this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you speak through me, Father. Lord God, bring clarity and truth, Lord God, so that you can do whatever it is you desire to do in this house on today. Lord God, we bind the guardian, the strong man of offense that would come to steal the word from your people, that would keep them from hearing what says the Lord on this day. You're bound. You have no reign in this house. Father, now be glorified. For you and you alone deserve the glory and the honor. This is your platform, Father. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Provoked a tale of two women. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time recapping this story because it's a pretty popular story. It's often preached. It's often Hannah's prayers often prayed. We pretty much all know the story of Hannah and Panina. Panina. But what I will tell you is this is a story about two women with the same issue. It's just from different perspectives. One had children, had gifts, and the other had no children or no gifts. At least that's what she thought. One woman flaunted her children, flaunted her gifts to provoke, and the other wept and worried because she had no children or no gifts. At least that's what she thought. The provoking of one woman brought the other woman to a point where she worried so much that she couldn't eat. Can you see her? Can you see her? David said, I was glad when they came on, when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But I believe if Hannah had to write that psalm, she might have said, I was sad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Has anyone ever been sad? to go into the house of the Lord, not knowing what kind of mess you're going to have to deal with in the house of the Lord, not knowing if it's going to be smooth sailing or a bunch of chaos and confusion in the house of the Lord, not knowing if it's going to be a Sunday of love or a Sunday of shade in the house of the Lord. Has anyone ever been sad to go into the house of the Lord? Every time Hannah went to the place where she was supposed to experience the joy, the love, the peace of God, every time she got to the temple, the presence of God, Every time she got close to a breakthrough, here comes Panina. Every time Hannah comes and sets her mind to worship, 
here comes Panina. She right here. She she right here. Every time Hannah's like, I'm gonna do it this Sunday. I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna press. Here comes Panina. Hannah can't even get out her car good without. Here comes Panina backing into the parking lot. Panina doesn't miss a Sunday. She doesn't miss a Wednesday. She always up in here. Here comes Panina. I dare not ask if anyone has ever experienced a Panina. But in my mind, now this is just in my mind, and it's full of imagination, full disclosure. But in my mind, if the Amalekite spirit and the Jezebel spirit got together and had a little baby spirit, it would be the Panina spirit. Because the Amalekites prey on the weak. We know that. God said he hated the Amalekites because they prayed on the weak. You know the weak. The confused. The ones that aren't quite sure if they fit just yet. The lonely. The isolated. You know the confused. The ones who haven't quite figured out that they are a gift and that they have purpose. You know, the weak. And the Jezebel spirit, we all know the Jezebel spirit. Jezebel spirit likes to control, right? So the Bible says that Panina provoked Hannah so that she would fret, so that she would worry. Now, the dictionary definition of control, I didn't say this, is whenever you do a thing to influence or direct a person's behavior or the course of an event, it's called control. So whenever you sing all loud, trying to outsing the soloist, it's called control. Whenever you overlook someone to make them feel bad, it's called, it's okay, control. Whenever you shut someone down using the word, get them told using the word, it's called control. Now we're cooking with grease. We got it. So what's up with Panina? Why she all up in the church? Why she here, God? Why she here? Well, to tell you the truth, before you got saved, you didn't need a Panina. You were already a dead man walking. Your destination had been set. So it has to be Panina. It must be Panina. Before you decide to get saved for real, for real, like not that time when you was 12 because you were scared, but for real, for real, and decided to really seek after God and truly seek him for who he is, there was no need for a Panina. Because Panina comes not for your destination. Panina comes for your journey. 
Panina comes for the mission. When you're a dead man walking anyway, no one's going to, who wants to waste time on that? Your final destination is hell. But now you have a hope and a future, a hope and a future that the enemy does not want you to know that you have. And right now it's shut up, but what's shut can be opened. Panina wants you so worried, so worried. It's kind of like um, the old saints. If I could just make it to heaven. If I could just make it to heaven. Panina wants you so worried that she, she just wants you to just focus on making it to heaven. But do you know you can make it to heaven and miss your purpose? You can make it to heaven and miss the journey along the way. The abundant life that Christ came to give us. Penina's after was shut up. She wants you to think that you have no part in the mission. She wants you to think that you're not gifted. She wants you to think that you don't have a purpose. When in fact, your entire life is purpose. So why, you ask? Because Panina doesn't know who she is. And Panina has children. She has a gift. And when you don't know who you are and you wrap yourself around your gift, you don't want anyone else to know that they have a gift. But what's shut up can be open. If you're the only one that can sing, everyone's going to call on Panina to sing. If you're the only one that can pray, everyone's going to call on Panina to pray. If you're the only one that can teach, everyone's going to call on Panina. Let's go see Panina's gifts. Coochie, coochie, coo, Panina and all her babies. When you don't know who you are and you don't understand that we're all members of one body, gifts become a threat to you. But what is shut can be opened. So then, okay, so I'm like, okay, God, I get it. But why can't Panina, like, go to AME down the street? Like, why she got to be up in this house, right? It's got to be this house because that's the sneak attack. You don't expect to be attacked in your own house. There are laws that are written for people to buy guns to protect their own house, right? People lobby to be able to protect their own house. And you certainly don't think you're going to be attacked in your own house by one of your own. So it has to be, Panina, and it has to be in the house. Because if it wasn't in the house, if Panina was some unsaved chick on your job we'd all hear about it in bible study and everyone would say well girl she just need to get saved she needs jesus but panina got jesus panina is saved panina singing panina ushering panina teaching panina praying for people at the altar panina's in the house 
And baby, you ain't had a fight until you've had a church fight. Talking about wanting to punch somebody in their face, but you got to walk away instead. A church fight will bring you to submission if you let it. So it has to be Panina. And it has to be in the house. But it doesn't have to end the way the enemy wants it to end. So let's talk about this thing a little bit. First of all, you've got to understand, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God's love is not contingent on what man thinks about us, says about us, or does to us. God takes direction from no one, and he does what he pleases, and he chooses to love us in spite of us. In spite of us, we should be happy there. You could be a Panina. You could be a Hannah. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. God loves you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And God is so gracious and he's so kind that he oftentimes reminds us how much he loves us. So the Bible says that Elkanah gave Hannah a worthy portion. A worthy portion. So what happens is you have your offering, you have your sacrifice, and you go burn it, and then what's left, you take it, and you give each one of your family members a portion. You know how you, when you could, you give your people a portion, right? So what's left? But Elkanah gave Hannah a worthy portion. That's a double portion. And so the double portion could be extended to Levites, priests, orphans, widows, and the poor. But Hannah wasn't a Levite priest, and she wasn't an orphan. She wasn't widow. She wasn't poor. So why did God allow this worthy portion? Hannah was poor in spirit. She was emotionally bankrupt. So can you see, like, can you see Hannah? She's not eating. She's weeping. And then her husband comes and gives her a double portion. They're at the table. Now picture Panina. You know how folk do when they <laughs> trying to check out what you got, but <laughs> they ain't got the nerve to ask you about it. They just <laughs> kind of, you know, they just. <laughs> They ain't going to say nothing about it, though. They're just going to shut them. Can you imagine? 
And Elder Walton said something in Sunday school about our noses looking down on people. Could you, can you hear Panina? Surely, if anyone should be receiving the double portion, it should be me. If he extends the double portion to anyone, it should be me. I'm the one with the children. I'm the one with the gifts. I'm the one that's called. Surely, it should be me. But the Bible says he prepares a table before me. And in the presence of my enemy, thou anoints my head with oil. He says, my cup runneth over. That sounds like a worthy portion to me. Hallelujah. See, oftentimes when there's a panina, you know, you kind of try to reconcile in your head why people have what they have. You know, how does she get the job? She doesn't have the degree. How she get the car? Her credit's bad. How they live where they live. I make more than them. It's called the worthy portion. It's the worthy portion. Because God knows every motive. He looks at the heart. And what looks right may not always be right. So you got to be mighty careful when you start trying to figure out how people get what they get. I'm telling you now, it's the worthy portion. And the thing that be tripping me out about the worthy portion, like if it's your BFF, you kind of like okay with the worthy portion because you be like, oh, God is good, girl, yeah, girl. yeah, he did that. But let it be somebody you mm, just okay with, you know? Let it be somebody you kind of sort of possibly maybe can't stand. Let it be somebody you got a little like problem with. That's when that reconciling start. Y'all laughing because you know it's true. That reconciling start. How? I don't even like her. You ain't got to like her. God loves her. So, I ain't giving the fool with y'all. That's when folk get the look and they're stretching their neck, right? They be trying to figure out. They ain't going to ask you about the jag first lady. They just go, oh, okay. They ain't going to say nothing to you about it. The worthy portion. So this is just a suggestion, just a suggestion. You ain't got to take it. But whenever you find your mind wandering about how folk got what they got, Oftentimes, when God is good to someone and you find your mind wondering, I'm just going to look at the clock. When you find your mind wondering about how people got what they got and how good God is to that person, it's probably because you're not that good to that person. I'm just going to look at the clock. And so, it's just a suggestion. Instead of trying to, because the Bible said, Hannah received the worthy portion. Okay, let's reevaluate. Re she was loved. Her womb was shut. And she was being provoked. Those were the three reasons why she received the worthy portion. I'm just going to stay with the clock. So, oftentimes, I just said it, 
when you try to kind of figure out why God is good to someone, it's usually because you're not very good to that person. So instead of trying to figure out how they got what they got, you may want to say, I'm going to sit beside my friend. Am I contributing to their worthy portion? Am I making down payments on their blessings? You might want to do a little light introspection. It's just a suggestion, but I'm, I'm thinking that if you realize every time you bother somebody, God was going to bless them, you might be provoked to leave folk alone. It's just a suggestion. You can take it or leave it. I'm going to move on with my points before I digress anymore, and I got to keep with the clock. Point two. Have you ever been, like, talking to somebody, and it wasn't all that deep? You were just having a conversation, and then all of a sudden they said something, and it, like, changed everything? Like, it was the answer to something you had been, like, thinking about? That's God. So what happened in verse 8? You know, they all trying to eat and stuff, and Hannah's sad, and she's not eating. And so Elkanah comes and tries to cheer her up. And he said, why are you sad? Why are you crying? Aren't I better to you than ten sons? So when I used to read that, I was like, come on, Elkanah. You can't be better than ten sons. That don't even make sense. I mean, I know men, men are great, right? Wives, men are great. We love our husbands, but better than 10 sons. Okay, we love our husbands. So, yeah. I was like, come on, Elkanah. 10 sons. But the words were coming out of Elkanah's mouth, but by the time they hit Hannah's ears, it was God. This was what God was saying to her. Daughter, why are you so sad? Why are you not eating? I am better to you than 10 gifts. I am better to you than 10 children. And I believe that when the, when the words hit Hannah's mouth, it began to heal her very soul and she began to eat. The Bible says she began to eat. She began to taste and see that the Lord is good. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. God, you are still good. You are better to me than 10 sons. I believe at that point, Hannah took a turn. She began to eat of the word. The Bible says Hannah came to the temple and did not eat. How many times do we sit here worried about something and do not eat? She didn't eat, wasting her gas not to eat. Help us, Father. So she began to taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe it brought Hannah to repentance. God, I've been shortchanging you over this chick. I've been shortchanging you over this problem. I've been shortchanging you. 
over worrying about something silly, over some foolery. I've been shortchanging you, God. I repent. You are good. I believe some of us, um, you know how you get that bill? Y'all don't get those bills. So, you know, the regular bill is black, right? But then there's a bill that's like red. Y'all don't get those. I believe there are some red bills in the area of worship. Do to worry about some foolery behind some chick and the attitude. Got a red bill. Because when you're in trouble, you have to remember who God is. You have got to remember that God is still good. It doesn't matter what's going on. God is still good. And you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Sometimes you have to read the Bible out loud so that you can hear it. So that you can remember that God is good. And you're not going to let no chick, no job, no gift, no anointing, no nothing make you forget how good God is. Amen? I pray that some of us pay our past due bills today. Point three. Now, once you release things to God, that's when you can truly worship. You have to kind of, not kind of, you have to give it to God. Because if you're worrying, you're worshiping the worry. And what you feed will grow. But it's not until you say, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, God. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. This is very important. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of me worshiping you. See, the thing is, I mean, your situation is like no surprise to God. He knows everything. You guys know that, right? So you may as well go ahead and give it to him and worship. And worship him in spirit and in truth. He doesn't want, you know, some fake buttercup worship. He wants your worship in truth. Things are kind of tight right now, God, but I choose to worship you. I'm about to punch somebody in the face, Lord, but I choose to worship you, Jesus. I don't know what's going on with this job situation, but I choose to worship you, God. No matter what it sounds like, it doesn't matter how ugly it sounds. It doesn't matter how ugly it looks. All he wants to know is, will you worship him? Will you worship him in spite of? Will you worship him in the midst of? Will you worship him? See, this is the thing. Panina comes to make you worry, right? And when you worry, you can't worship. And without worship, there's no intimacy. And without intimacy, there's no fruitfulness. But what is shut up? 
can be opened. For the Bible says, Hannah and Elkanah worshipped. Then they went home. And Elkanah knew Hannah in the biblical. And this time, that intimacy that Hannah and God had opened her womb and bear fruit. And they named that fruit Samuel. Without intimacy, there can be no fruit. When you worry, you cannot have intimacy. You cannot allow anything to interrupt your worship. Because you know what happens in worship? You tell God who he is. You magnify Jesus. You know, we sing that song, magnify Jesus. When you worship, you magnify Jesus. You lift him up. You tell him how big he is, how great he is. And in turn, your problems get smaller. But you know what else what happens in worship? When you listen, after you tell God who he is, he tells you who you are. And that bears fruit. So if you don't worship, there's no intimacy. And without intimacy, there is no fruit. So Hannah has Samuel. Now she didn't pray. Well, she was provoked. She didn't pray. She didn't want on her unsolicited fast, not eating. And so she prayed and she gave it to God and God gave her the gift. So when you've done all that, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make now. You've got to give it to God. You have to give it to God. You didn't cry about it. You didn't lose weight behind it. But now you've got to give that very thing to God. If you don't give it to God, it will die, it will rot, and it will stink. Talk about a legacy. But if you give it to God, it will grow, it will prosper, and it will serve a greater purpose. You must give it to God. Now, you know, Panina's name means pearl, and I like pearls. I wear pearls a lot. That's good teaching. You have to write that down because God may want to use it in a mighty way and give me some pearls one day. Write that down. I like pearls. Pearls are formed from an irritant. They get trapped in mollusks. They get trapped in clams. And out of protection and self-preservation, out of self-preservation, the clam or the mollusk, they let off these two chemicals. And it constantly wraps itself around this irritant until a pearl is formed. That's how pearls are formed. Hard, solid shell for protection. I found it very interesting that any irritant can create a pearl. Like a lot of people think it's just sand, 
but it's really any irritant, like anything that gets like caught up in the mollusk can create a pearl. So it could be sand, it could be debris, it could be a food particle, any irritant really. Anger, bitterness, disappointment, or even being provoked can cause a pearl. It's an irritant. Although pearls look very hard, they're actually soft. One of the world's softest gems. Soft-hearted. Looking like something it really isn't. Developed by an irritant. Formed by a need to self-protect. Soft-hearted. Wrapped up in an irritant that developed a hard-looking shell. Pearls are also quite porous. They absorb whatever they encounter. And whatever they encounter causes them to stain. That's why I'm not going to lend none of y'all my pearls. I wonder what kind of stain Panina encountered. I wonder what she absorbed that caused her to provoke Hannah. I wonder if the outcome would have been different had she come in contact with love. I wonder if Panina's life could have been different had the stain been love. People do all kinds of stuff to pearls. They don't take care of pearls. They treat them any kind of way, never really knowing the impact they have on pearls. They say anything to them, you know, go on about their business, not really knowing the stain that's left on the pearl. You ain't going to never be nothing, just like your daddy. Somebody called you to do something, never really knowing the stain. <sighs> but to in order to clean a pearl, you must have a clean, clean white cloth. And you have to moisten that cloth in pure water. And you must rub it very gently because pearls are sensitive. Clean me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Are there any stains in your pearls? Anything need to be rubbed out? You have to give it to God. Now, Hannah means grace. We all love Hannah, the heroine. Woohoo, Hannah. She gave her hurt, her bitterness, her 
disappointments, and ultimately her gift to God. She gave her gift to God, and God allowed it to grow and prosper. The Bible says that Samuel grew and was in favor with man and with the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says the same thing about our gift, Jesus, that he grew in favor with man and the Lord. Our gift that said, I must be about my father's business. Our gift that said, not my will, but thy will be done. The Bible says that Samuel's words, none of them hit the ground. None of them hit the ground. That means everything Samuel spoke, it happened. When you give your gift to God, he will never let you be put to shame. Samuel's words were so accurate and so precise that Saul sought him out after he was dead to hear what he had to say. Talk about a legacy. But Panina's gift died. I don't read anywhere where Panina's gifts performed any miracles or spoke on behalf of God or I didn't hear where anyone sought Panina's gifts out for advice. They kind of died. When the parents play, the children will pay. And that's in any area of your life. When the parents play, the children will play, will pay. You spend all your money on frivolous stuff and your kids can't go to college. You spend your time on riotous living and that curse is brought down on your children. When the parents play, the children pay. We hear nothing of these gifts. We hear nothing of these children because Panina put them subject to her mission of provoking another woman. And they did that with no impact. They paid because she chose to play. Are we on the road to well done, thy good and faithful servant? Or are we on the road to depart from me, you worker of iniquity? Are we serving for God's mission? Or are we serving for our own? I'm getting ready to close. If we were honest with ourselves, we're all been a little Panina-ish, and we've all been a little Hannah-ish. A tale of two women with the same issue, both trapped in an identity based on a function or a title, mother, 
But what is your function and your title that got you all wrapped up? The fact of the matter is when you don't know that your identity is in Christ, you will use your gift to provoke or you'll weep. You'll flown it or you'll be bitter and sad because you feel like you can't compare. You're either going to provoke or weep when your identity is not in Christ. Your irritant can provoke you to become a pearl that's easily stained or it can provoke you to realize that his grace is sufficient but it's your choice and if you're here today and you're feeling a little Panina-ish feeling a little Hannah-ish God wants your heart today He sent his word to heal us and save us from destruction. The word of God says, the day you hear the word of the Lord, harden not your heart. And that's not just unto salvation. That's unto healing. That's unto deliverance. That's unto repentance. If you've been going around a mulberry bush, if you feel like you are being provoked, if you have been provoking people, you don't have to leave the same way. God wants you to come to him so he can tell you who you are. Because I believe without a shadow of a doubt, if you knew who you were, you wouldn't act the way you act. And I'm closed and I'm bringing Apostle Williams up.